Happy Mother's Day. Or happy Smother's Day, if you know what I mean. <laughs> My kids have said that when, at some point when they're little. They've like thought the word was smother, and I'm like, well, I mean, kind of. It kind of works. <laughs> so I want to say before I start, I want to say happy Mother's Day to two specific women, and one is my mama. I'm so thankful for her. She's not here. She's in Beaumont, but um, I'm very thankful for her. She loves my kids like nothing else, and um, she watches them all at once to help me and to help us at times. And then also Miss Tracy. She's, a, she's Zach's mom, but she's also a mama to me, a second mama. Um, so Zach and I have been in ministry for 11 years now, full-time ministry. And the longer I'm in this, the more I realize um, just as Jesus was broken for our behalf so that we could find healing and so we can find wholeness and so we could be free, um, that's really what God calls any leader to do is to embrace brokenness, to embrace difficulty, to embrace the criticism, to embrace the challenges um, so that others can find freedom and healing. And Miss Tracy and Pastor Bubba have done this like nothing else. Um, they've been in ministry, I don't even know how long, but I can tell you that they have been better because of all the challenges they've walked through. And I'm honored for them to be our pastors. And then my husband, I'm honored for him. He's done the same. He's walked through criticism, walked, walked through difficulty. He's embraced it. Um, and it just shows a lot of integrity for them. So I just wanted to honor them this morning. Y'all can give a hand for them. So to all you mamas, I have something that I just want to say to each of you. And I want you to know that your faces come to mind as each of these, um, each of these things are read. So to a mama who gave birth this year to their first child, we celebrate with you. To a mama who lost their child this year, we mourn with you. To those who are in the trenches with little ones every day and wear the badges of food stains, we appreciate you. To those who experience loss through miscarriage, failed adoptions, or running away, we mourn with you. To those who walk the hard path of infertility, fraught with pokes, prods, tears, and disappointment, we walk with you. Forgive us for the foolish things that we've said. We didn't mean to make things harder. To those who are foster moms, mentor moms, and spiritual moms, we need you. To those who have a warm and close relationship with your children, we celebrate with you. To those who have disappointment, heartache, and distance with your children, we sit with you. To those who have lost their mothers this year, we grieve with you. To those who have experienced abuse at the hand of your own mother, we acknowledge your experience. To those who have lived through driving tests, medical tests, and the overall testing of motherhood, we are better for having you in our midst. To those who have aborted children, we remember them and you on this day. To those who are single and long to be married and mothering your own children, we mourn life has not turned out the way you had hoped. To those who step-parent, we walk with you on these complex paths. To those who envisioned lavishing love on grandchildren, and yet that's not how life has ended up, we grieve with you. To those who will have emptier nests this year, we both grieve and celebrate with you. And to those who are pregnant with new life, both expected and surprising, 
we anticipate with you. So whenever we ask God for something, when we ask God for healing or we ask God for provision, we ask God for anything, his answer is always yes, I'll unravel you. I want you to take just a moment and think about these phrases. You can close your eyes. No one's going to take something from you. Um, Just close your eyes for a second and think about this. See if this resonates with what's inside of you. You probably haven't said this out loud, but I just want you to think of these. Do I have what it takes? Am I worthy? Do I matter? Do I, sorry, am I enough? Does anyone notice me? Am I loved even with my flaws? I must be in control to be secure. Okay. Have any of y'all, just raise your hand if at least one of those has resonated with you, if you've felt that or thought that. Okay, awesome. Yeah, so I have multiple of those. I felt those. And this is why. Um, It resonates with us because God has wired us for love and belonging, and he's wired us for security and significance. So I imagine you would start out life as I did. We start out looking to authority figures or our parents, hoping that they would answer those questions for us to show us that we're enough, that we have what it takes. Um, And then you graduate in elementary school. You look to your friends, right? You hope that you have a place of belonging by going there and those friends. And then boyfriend or girlfriend, we always look to someone else. And then maybe a spouse later on. And then uh, maybe a pastor. We want them to answer those questions for us. Maybe a boss or sometimes our children. We look all the different places. And then we end up coming to a place where we're just broken after disappointment and, <laughs> and blown up relationships. Anyone hear me there? Yeah, <laughs> we've all been there. But it's because we're looking, we're looking for these answers to be found in someone and uh, Really, no one can answer those for us. But we come to a place where we're broken because God, in that brokenness, wants to show us that he is the one that actually answers those for us. So um, usually we still subconsciously have these feelings in us with these questions. Uh, So, for example, like your spouse isn't helping you feel those fond feelings of love or those feelings like you're enough. We want them to make us feel that way, but we don't. Um, Our children, maybe they do the opposite make you feel like, oh gosh, you do not know what you're doing. (laughs) I've felt that plenty of times. Maybe our job has been in, uh, our identity has been in a job, and then we lose that job, and then we lost part of ourselves. Um, Maybe the enemies lied to you about who, who you are and what you're worth. I want you to listen to this real quick. It's in this feeling of deficit where we don't get the thing that we actually really want. It's in this moment that we're able to see that God is the true source, that he's really what we're after. Um, so when you notice you're feeling lonely and you don't turn to someone else to fill that for you, but you turn to God and you let him fill that loneliness. Now, I know that's like a whole other level of pain and discomfort. It's not satisfying. It doesn't actually, like, it's not like to sit in that pain is not fun. We don't look forward to that, right? We actually, like, tried it with all of our might to shun that, to ignore that, to not have to deal with that. But when we ask God to be our identity, when we ask God to name us, friends, you must be prepared for God to unravel you, because he will. He peels away each thing that we've placed our identity in, and each thing that we've placed the security in that can't be found outside of him. 
And he does this because he must break us down to build us back up. Sometimes it feels like it's punishment, right? Whenever we feel that pain, whenever we feel that angst. And really, it's God leaning in. It's him actually being strength for us. So let me read this verse. This is what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 7, 8 to 13. This is in the message translation. So it says this. I know I distressed you greatly with my letter, although I felt awful at the time. I don't feel bad at all now that I see how it turned out. He was a pastor. I guess he, you know, he said some things that hurt people, and you know, it comes along with the territory. The letter upset you, but only for a little while. Now I'm glad. Not that you are upset, but listen to this, but that you are jarred into turning things around. You let that distress bring you to God and not drive you away from him. The result was all gain and no loss. Distress that drives us to God, it does that. It turns us around. It gets us back in the way of salvation, and we never regret that kind of pain. Just ponder that for a moment. We never regret that kind of pain. But those who let distress drive them away from God are full of regrets, and they end up on a deathbed of regrets. And now, isn't it wonderful all the ways in which this distress has goaded you closer to God? You're more alive, more concerned, more sensitive, more reverent, more human, more passionate, and more responsible. Looked at from any angle, you've come out of this with purity of heart. So there are times when our layers are being peeled away and we feel incredibly exposed. Any of y'all been there? We're, yeah, that's not pleasant, is it? But listen to this for just a moment. It's in this moment when we feel that exposure, when we feel that angst, when we feel that lack, it's in that very moment that God is fashioning growth in us. That's whenever we grow. There's no growth without pain. There's no, there can be pain without growth, but there is never growth without pain. In the moments we feel stretched to our limits, Y'all felt that? How many, how many of you guys? Parenting does this like nothing else, right? <laughs> Those moments we felt stretched to our limits, that's when actually he comes for us. And he comes and he is something to us that we didn't have in, our, in ourselves. So when we ask God for something, it never, ever pans out like we imagined. How many of y'all are, are control freaks? Anyone? Okay, there's got to be more of y'all than that. Raise the hand of the person next to you. <laughs> Okay, I'm a control freak. Um, you know, that comes natural to us. Um, but I have plans laid, and I'm like, God, get with the program. Follow my plans. Yeah, right? Don't you think that? Don't we think, like, this is the way it should go? And when we ask God for growth, when we ask him for something else, like, God, help me know you more, it never turns out as we want. Now, let's think of it this way. When we ask God to give us faith, how many of you ask that? God, give me faith. Okay, does God just tangibly, like, gift wrap faith and put it in your lap? Does he? Wouldn't that be awesome? I, I wish that that would happen. No, God does not tangibly wrap up faith and just plop it in our lap. What he does is he allows circumstances in your life that will require your faith and for you to tap into him for that faith, for you to actually walk in it. <laughs> Whenever you ask God for humility, how many of y'all have asked God for humility? God, help me walk humbly. He doesn't plop humility in our laps, though that would be awesome. 
He allows opportunities that often humiliate us and necessitate us laying down our pride. When we ask God to grow us, now probably everyone in this whole room has asked, God, grow me, right? Show me your hands. How many of you have asked God to grow you, to help you know him more? Okay. When we ask God for this, does God just, y'all know the answer now, has, do, does God just give you growth? No. <laughs> what he does is he allows adversity in your life that will necessitate you growing and finding your strength in him because that's always his path to maturity. So when we ask something of God, his answer is always, yes, I'll unravel you. Because I love you and by my grace, I'll give you what you really want, what you're really asking for. There's no greater unraveling than motherhood. Any mamas attest to that. Mm -hmm. So until I was in over my head with the needs of six children and a husband in a church, I never needed to pray the Bible under my breath as I walked from room to room and as I did endless amounts of laundry, feeling hopeless. Until I sat invisible in my behind-the-scenes contributions at church, I never needed to ask God daily for strength to be unnoticed. Until the voices of encouragement around me got very quiet, I never saw a need to sit before God to hear his whispers. Until I felt the sting of hurtful, slandering words being said about me, I never saw the need to let his words alone define me. Until I felt that I, as a pastor's wife, would belong nowhere freely, I didn't realize that I belong everywhere because I belong in him. Until I felt completely and constantly misunderstood, did I realize that I am fully understood by my maker and that that is enough. So what has your attention in your unraveled moments? Because this will determine your direction. Matthew 6.34 in the message translation says this. Give your entire attention to what God is doing right now. And don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes. So this feeling, feeling of God eroding our self-sufficiency, of God eroding our pride, of him taking down our ego of our strength being zapped. This is the feeling of him leading in. It's actually him giving us a true strength, a strength that's not circumstantial. Something that sustains. Okay, so many of y'all have asked about this marathon that I did last week. Um, (laughs) You'd probably expect that I'd feel super strong and, like, confident and, like, awesome after coming back. Um... And I do, but in a way that you wouldn't expect. So this marathon for me eroded my, my strength like nothing else ever has. I mean, if I think about it, like I, I realized this after the fact. I told Kathleen, like, that's running from Crowley to Welsh. And, like, blew my mind. This is after, thank God it was after that I recognized that because Lord knows I would not have done this if I would have known that beforehand. Um, but it eroded my strength, and I'll just give you a little glimpse into it. So I was, you start out the marathon in the city of Waco, and there's these big buildings, like 
if you've seen the Fixer Upper show, it's the Alco building, and it's a tall building. Well, you start around there, and then you run zigzagged all out. Um, and what's so around mile 15 or so, I was out in the boons, and <laughs> I saw that building in the distance, <laughs> and it looks like the size of an ant. <laughs> okay, and I was like, man, that's far. And then panic sets in because I'm like, oh, God, I've got to run all the way back to that. <laughs> I can't do this. So, and I'm like, legit, I saw cars passing by, and I'm like, God, I just want to hop in one of those cars and disappear. And I don't want to answer to anyone because I don't want anyone asking me how this thing happened. <laughs> Why, why'd you quit? Did you make it? <laughs> I literally was like, I don't, even, I don't want to have to deal with that. Um, so for a few miles, like from mile maybe 14 to 16 or so, I got to this place where I was, I had to walk some. I was like, really, it was rough. It was a struggle. I was, uh, I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. I can't do this anymore. Um, and I turned my music off at some point. Well, if you if you do this well, what you end up doing is you have like backup plans. So like, I was listening to a podcast, and I was going to listen to an audio book. And if it, things got really bad, I was going to listen to my music, and then I was going to eat a snack. Well, I tried everything, and I'm like, it's not helping me. <laughs> So then you feel another level of disappointment. Well, what's funny is if you lean into that and you give your attention to the right things, I mean, what do you think I, I would have done if I would given my attention, like that scripture says, my full attention to the pain and discomfort and my fears and my feelings of lack? What do you think would have happened? I wouldn't have finished that race. So I give my attention. I, I pray. Literally, I was praying at some points while I was, I was finishing it. And then after about mile 16, I only had 10 miles left. And I'm like, I can do this. And it was a breeze. Literally, the rest of the race was a breeze. So I want you to think about this in terms of your life. What do you do in your unraveling moments in your mile 15? What do you give your attention to? Because that's going to determine your direction. Do you give it to your pain and your frustration, the difficult circumstances? Is that what you fix your attention on? Um. Many people ask me and Zach and our pastors how we can share such genuine examples, how we're able to help others grow. And let me tell you, it's because God is constantly unraveling us. He is constantly un- allowing pain and difficulty and criticism. He's constantly eroding our sense of strength in ourselves so that we can find a strength in him. Second Corinthians says it this way. It's 2 Corinthians 6, 1 to 13 in the message version. Our work as God's servants gets validated or not in the details. People are watching us as we stay at our post, alertly, unswervingly, in hard times, tough times, bad times, when we're beaten up, jailed and mobbed, working hard, working late, working without eating, with a pure heart, clear head, steady hands and gentleness, holiness and honest love, when we're telling the truth, when we're showing God's power, when we're doing our best setting things right, when we're praised and when we're blamed, slandered and honored, true to our word though distrusted, ignored by the world but recognized by God, terrifically alive though rumored to be dead, beaten within an inch of our lives but refusing to die, immersed in tears yet always filled with deep joy, living on handouts yet enriched by many, having nothing, having it all. This is the point I want you to listen to. Dear, dear Corinthians, I can't tell you how much I long for you to enter this wide open, spacious life. We didn't fence you in. 
The smallness you feel comes from within you. Your lives aren't small, but you're living them in a small way. I'm speaking as plainly as I can with great love and affection. Live openly and expansively. So you may ask, how do I live openly and expansively? Do you really want to know the answer? Do you, come on, do y'all want to know the answer? Okay. You live openly and expansively by letting him unravel you. And running to him in the unraveled moments. We don't run away. We don't isolate. We don't self-sabotage. We don't stay stuck in guilt and shame. So I'm calling you this morning, every mama, every other person in this room, I'm calling you to run to him in your unraveled moments. What's great is he doesn't leave us unraveled. He actually builds us back up stronger than where we were before. Because a strength that is not found in circumstances and a confidence that's not from what other people think about you. And it's not from what of other people understanding you. So lean into him in godly community in those distressing moments. Because this will change your life and this will help you live without regret as we all want. And that's what that scripture says, right? You live on a deathbed of regrets if you, if you pull away in distressing times. But if you lean in, if you let him be with you and be your strength for you, that is the very moment that he comes for you and he rescues you, he changes you. So I just want you all to bow your heads for a minute if you can. Um, I want you to think about this, those, the times in your life that are difficult, that are distressing. Um, and if you've ever felt that feeling of lack where you, you have this need, you have this longing, and it's not met in someone, whether it's your spouse or your children or relationally, it's just a difficult season and you, you're not sure, you feel broken, you feel unraveled. Um, I want you to think about this because this is the very moment that God wants to meet you in it. This is where he wants to be strong in you. If you just raise your hand right now, if any one of you have felt that unraveled feeling and you, you really would like God to meet you in it because I know God will meet you if we ask him. Very Okay, thank you, many of you. Now, I'm going to pray with you this morning that this will push you towards the Lord and not pull you away. God, I thank you for every person every mama, every other person in this room, Lord, who wants this distress to goad them closer to you. And God, I pray that you would give them the strength, that it wouldn't be a strength of their own, but it'd be a supernatural strength that would help them, each and every person, to find a deep source of strength in you in this moment that carries them through. Help them come out of this more alive and more loving, God, more compassionate, Jesus. I pray that you would be with them in this moment and help them know you at a deeper level. And God, that these unraveling moments would not be what defines them and that they wouldn't live out of regrets because of it, but God, instead, they would see a new level of you and that you would strengthen them and sustain them. In Jesus' name, amen.